Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. You are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Pay. Well, I was gone all day. Today uh, is, well, today's Tuesday. We're recording this on a Tuesday, and I get Tuesday, Wednesdays off. So that's my weekend. And I've been, uh, last couple weeks, I've been trying to take one of those two days for myself and one of the two days just to do Bigfoot stuff. Um, last couple weeks, I've, I've been going out to the area, to an area outside Colton uh, on either Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on what else I have going on, and looking around for footprints. And I spent the night out there and whatever else uh, because. In 2015, 2017, and 2018, footprints and or sightings and footprints were discovered in this one small area. So I figured there's one out there right now. Um, So uh, I've been trying to get out there. But today, instead of going to Colton, like I initially planned, I actually visited two different people um, in Washington because uh, we got a nice little featurette on KOIN News this past week. And when I say we, I mean the museum. The North American Bigfoot Center got a you know, little feature on the news. And a bunch of people saw it and started calling in, and good things came from it. Um, one guy named Stan, uh, he is a gentleman who lives in Vancouver, and he wanted to donate an original piece of art by uh, a native gentleman, uh, a native artist named Buddy Perizu. Um, he, Stan thought that Buddy had something to do with Sasquatches. And so I, I searched him online and sure enough, he makes like knives and knife sheaths and walking sticks and whatever else with Sasquatches on them. Uh, this Uh, particular piece of art doesn't have a Sasquatch in it. It actually is a really cool bald Eagle sort of thing. But, uh, he thought that, uh, the museum would be a good home for this piece of art. So, um, I drove out there and spoke to him at length and, um, he was a really cool guy. He's really into amateur astronomy, so we had a lot to talk about. And um, he saw he's seen three solar eclipses, complete solar eclipses in his life. Whoa. And he told me that the one that we saw together, because you know, listeners may not know this, but Bobo and I saw the last one here in Oregon um, in what 2016, I think it was. Um, we saw that um, from Mount Hood National Forest together. It was kind of cool. That was really cool, actually. Um, but he said that one was the least spectacular of the three. No way. Yeah, can you imagine that? That was that was the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah. I, I very I, I think what I say about it is that it's it's by far in the top three coolest things I've ever seen, and I have no idea what the other two things are. <laughs> I was gonna say what you can't name two things that cool because that was awesome. We're coming up on one in just a couple more years out in like Missouri all the way up through New York, I guess. Yeah, like Texas and Pennsylvania, I think, are are in the path because Melissa and I started planning on maybe going back and uh, seeing it 
from Pittsburgh or, you know, or, or the Allegheny National Forest, if possible. But it's during the winter. Um, was it 2022 or 24? I think one of those two. But it's in the winter, though. So that might be a, a hard time to see anything from, you know, upstate Pennsylvania. I thought so, it was like April or something. Maybe it is April. I, I think Stan today said April. So he, I mean, he probably knows better than I do, of course. But uh, yeah, anyway, so that, that was my first stop today. Um, and then the second stop, well, actually, for, well, uh, my second witness folk uh, people were kind of delayed. So I had a few hours to kill. So I went over to Beacon Rock because so many sightings have happened on, at Beacon Rock. It's a well-known Bigfoot spot. And I just chose one of these roads out there um, that drove north on these little logging roads out from the Beacon Rock area, you know, from a few miles east or west of that. And man, it is, it's just ridiculous out there. Like Gifford Pinchot is, is so squatchy looking. And, um, you know, it's one thing to go up to Skookum Meadows and, you know, poke around up there and stuff, but down by the Columbia river, it is just ridiculous, man. It is just everywhere you look is just one big, you know, foggy, wet swamp. It's ridiculous in there. Um, yeah, so I drove about eight or eight miles up or something like that, parked on the side of the road and walked to this swamp that I found on a map um, from Google Earth and stuff and poked around there looking for footprints. And I didn't find anything, but man, I basically want to go back in there and just look around a little bit. And it's also really close to this one location. I don't want to say the name of her or anything, but uh, a friend of mine um, is basically in charge of the of the Pinniped program for the state of Oregon. And oh, yeah. um yeah, yeah, you know her. Um, and uh, she told me that there's this one uh, valley up in this area where uh, they sometimes do field work. On, you know, she works at Columbia Rivers, but she, work, she works with a bunch of field biologists who uh, do a variety of um, mammalian studies. And there's this one spot up there where the field biologists don't want to go because weird things happen there. How far is that from uh, where we had the Navy SEAL on with dog handler? Where that is, um, that's up by Skookum. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, up there, kind of a Lone Butte area, approximately. But this is like all on the Columbia River, so it's not that far in, really. Okay. Uh, yeah. So after walking around the swamp and stuff, I, I, I kind of, and you know, there, there's these houses on the way up there, or you know, a lot of them are houses. But the very last, <laughs> the the last domicile on the road before it turned into basically you know nothing national forest um this guy had a, a school bus he was living in like uh, on the on one side of the road i drove by and uh, there's a, you know I, I could see the chimney smoke and stuff and when i got there it wasn't a house at all it was a school bus um with this like wooden shelter built over it and you know he had water and running it, he was out there working on his property which i guess if you're living in a school bus you'd have to work on your property a lot <laughs> um, but he, it seemed like he was making it into a place where, you know, the school bus would be the first, like the foundation, so to speak, of his house. He was clearly homesteading. It, uh, it was cool. And I, I was thinking, man, I would, you know, I could totally see how that would be me if my life had taken a few extra twists and turns along the way. My life's, turn, my life's turning that way right now. <laughs> oh, no. What's going on? Uh, just the usual. The, the usual. <laughs> yeah, I guess... Yeah, I, I say I wouldn't be surprised if that was me, and I, I guess I have to say I, I'm totally surprised it's not you. <laughs> me too. Yeah, but instead of a instead of a school bus, it would be that like small white Toyota truck that had a dual axle on the back that you oh, had yeah. for a while. 
<laughs> I've never seen such a small dually. That thing was oh, that thing was awesome. <laughs> I could see living out of that, you know. Almost and monkey, monkey, monkey taking care of you. Yeah, speaking of monkey, she got some new meds starting today, which gave her explosive diarrhea. Oh, that's charming. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. And uh, and you're away from home right now. You're on a road trip, aren't you? Yeah, I'm sitting at my friend's. He's got a beautiful house up in Bend. She luckily made it out the door before she went, but she just then she ran down the street and blasted mud over three lawns in a row. Oh, well, you got to mark your territory, you know? I think she was freaking out what was coming out of her and was trying to get away from it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like when dogs are sleeping and they fart and it scares them and they run from it. Yeah. it's. I guess it would be like that, right? But that, that, that wouldn't technically be crop dusting, would it? <laughs> that was more like strafing napalm or something. <laughs> right, right. Raining fire up from the sky. Killing the, the the vegetation underneath, right? Yeah. Oh well. Anyway, so from that little walk uh, in, in the southern stretches of Gifford Pinchot around Beacon Rock, um, I headed over to White Salmon, where uh, because of this news interview or this news little news feature that we had this past week from the North American Bigfoot Center, this lady reached out and said, "Yeah, um, my brother has a couple footprint casts and." you know, a bunch of hair samples and I've seen them twice now on the property and that sort of stuff. I went, oh, okay, well that's, that's worth my time, you know? So I gave her a call and headed over there in the afternoon. Uh, I met her. She, uh, she lives, uh, with her husband, um, north of white salmon out in the woods, kind of there between there and trout lake somewhere. And, uh, have visited with her, talked to her about her two, uh, sightings. Um, and then we went over to her mother's property, which is, you know, a mile or two down the road, I guess, and uh, spoke to her mother and her, I guess her, her brother lives there. And, uh, uh, and, and um, when the, her brother came home, she goes, hey, get, get your hair sample. You know, and I'm expecting, you know, like an envelope or a plastic bag. A lot of people put it in plastic and they shouldn't. Um, but he comes out with like, I don't know, a hundred envelopes. A hundred, like, I don't think I'm, I, don't, I really don't think I'm exaggerating at all. Like a hundred envelopes is a, is a real round number for that. Um, and I'm thinking, what the heck? And he starts opening them up and everyone has a different hair sample in it. They're certainly not all Bigfoot, but some of them might be. And I, so uh, I, I asked him, to, hey, well, maybe he had just so many. I said, well, give me like maybe your top three or something like that. I'm not sure what you know any of them are, but I'll take a look under a microscope at some point. I got kind of a crash course last year at some point with Dr. Meldrum in his lab about what to look for. So I'll take a look to see if any of them have the basic characteristics. And if they do, you know, then I'll send them off to somebody who knows more than I do. Right. Yeah, it's important to weed out the bad ones right off the bat. His sister said that she's seen him twice and, and she's heard some weird things. Um, I'll just say her name's Shelly, okay? Uh, it isn't, but I'll say Shelly. But uh, these things were yelling outside of her house, um, Ellie, without the shh. Yeah, she she has an SH in her name, but the, but the, the she heard basically her name without the SH in it being yelled outside of her house one night, and she says, "I wonder if they were trying to say my name, like if they heard me heard like you know my brother yell my name one time or something." And I wouldn't put that outside the realm of Sasquatches at all. Not at all, no. Yeah, and then she also said that I asked, like, have you ever found anything that's out of place or do they leave you things or something? She goes, oh, yeah, they do. Like, I find rocks on, on top of the uh, fence posts sometimes after we think they've been around. 
Wait, what? Rocks on the fence post? Yeah, yeah, like a rock on top of a fence post, you know? Yeah, but I think, didn't they, um, down at the Bridges property in Florida, didn't they, when those brass caps on the fence post got removed, didn't they find something on there, on top of their fence post, too, like feathers or rocks or something? I don't know if they were on top of the fence post or not. I don't remember that. I know they were getting feathers and stuff around the house, but. Yeah, maybe I'm mixed up with something else, but. Yeah, that, that's the thing, though. Like, it seems it seems that Sasquatches, uh, to some degree, are attracted to people that are a little bit left of center. It's so hard because I've known people that are kind of nutty, that, and I think they're maybe extra nutty because they have Bigfoots around them all the time. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what makes them a little weird. I don't know. And But these guys weren't particularly – I mean, they, well, they were weird, I guess, but, I mean, who isn't? That's the hard part with that. Um, they, they were just salt of the earth, normal folks, you know, um, except for this Bigfoot thing. I'm just going to listen to what he says, take note of it, file it away. And if, if it keeps coming up, if patterns develop, then I'll start paying attention. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's just because uh, that's that's the thing about so many Bigfooters, like when they're listening to witnesses. Yeah, of course, you, everybody has their judgments and stuff on the people they're listening to. But um, so many times I've seen excellent data just get you know thrown out, like thrown out the baby with the bathwater um, right. because it didn't match the person's expectations. And now I'm on the other side. We're like, what he's saying doesn't match my expectations. And I don't want to make the same mistake I've seen others make. Um, yeah, maybe he's not telling the truth. Maybe he is telling the truth and he's just wrong. Um, I don't know. Or maybe he's not doing either of those things and he's right. And there's something to learn from here. So I think my job as, a, as an investigator is to remain neutral, take note, and then wait and watch for patterns. Right. You're, you're doing the right thing for sure. But yeah, it's always because I've, I've you know spent a couple of days with guys before I realized all right, there is a little bit of stuff, but they're interpreting all kinds of stuff as Bigfoot things, and it's clearly not. Yeah, you know, and that goes back to one of my big pet peeves is um, observation versus interpretation. Um, and the sky was full of interpretation. You see, I, I would see where they're lying down, and there was a big one and a little one, so it was a male and a female. And it's like, well, that's interpretation, no matter how you cut it. Even if he's right, it's still interpretation. Um, um it's better to observe than to interpret. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, my expedition, oh, which was awesome, by the way. Massachusetts. Yeah. Tell me all about that. I want to hear about that, man. Um, it was great. Dude. We went to the camp and we were planning to go to some other spots that were like, you know, 40 minute, 50 minute drives. We were going to do a night at the camp and then the first night at the camp and then the next night we were going to go to other places. But there was no need to leave, dude. They were right there at the camp, just like the guys said, the Vogel brothers, Tim and Eric. Um, the 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 what they what they interpret as the big aggressive male wasn't around, and it seemed like there was just a, a couple smaller ones. And I actually saw something on Therm. Not I wasn't. I thought it was just our group up the hill from us. But they uh, well, let me start. I'm jumping ahead. So the uh, start of the beginning. So this was a Thursday to Sunday expedition, right? Yeah. So the first Thursday night, we're waiting for people to come in late. You know, it's winter time. It's dark by five. So we didn't even head out until like nine thirty, ten, probably ten. Uh huh. And it was freezing. It was like single digits with the wind chill. It was super cold. 
Two well, and I've been hearing about some sort of a huge cold front that hit the East Coast. Is is that the same one that you experienced or what? Oh, yeah. It was like finding Bigfoot luck, just Arctic blasts, freezing, record lows, all that kind of stuff, cold wind. So um, my group didn't, we we didn't, I don't think, like the first night my group, we didn't, I don't think, I don't think we heard it. A couple of us said they thought they heard stuff, but I didn't hear anything. Nothing definitive. And but the guys that stayed up at the top of the mountain in the wind, they had, um, they all, they all agreed. Everyone, everyone that heard it said it was a primate sounding screaming. And they all said it sounded like a female, like high pitched, um, which doesn't mean it's a female. I, I was arguing with them saying, we, we assumed that it could be a, it could be a, a teenage, you know, boy going into puberty. It could be maybe old males that are, you know, lost their top dog spot. They imitate, a female to get sympathy. Like, I mean, it could be, oh, there's a million things it could be that but we, we always say, I think it was a male, I think it was a female. So they all submit, they all agreed it sounded like a female, high pitched screaming. Um, then the second night, we didn't have to go, uh, it turned out when we came back to, to the lodge, we were sitting in a lodge in a cabin about 70 yards away. There was four guys sitting in the cabin, and the rest of us were in the lodge. And the guys when they'd come in out of the cabin, we're getting knocks and whistles coming from the, the, up the trail back into the forest, which was pretty interesting. And then, um, but they didn't want to say anything. They didn't say anything at first. And then it started to come whispering like, Hey, I got, I got knocks when I came out of the cabin this morning. And they weren't telling each other. They were just coming and telling us on the side. Then there were some women staying in a, a 30 foot trailer next to the cabin. And when one of the girls came out one morning, she got a big knock. I think they got knocks a couple times coming out of the trailer. Um, there was just stuff going on right around there. So we stayed there the second night. The second night, there was a big clear cut. Uh, it was probably 15, 20 acres, something like that. I'm not sure. About that size. So uh, from where they, they were hearing, they were getting knocks and whistles around it, but soft, kind of softer, you know, soft knocks, soft whistles. And these guys would whistle, and they were getting whistles back from the woods. And I was like, okay. So I was looking where they were, where the sounds were coming from. I said, well, they, they got to be going through this one section. So I took uh, three guys and we crossed the clear cut, went up into the tree line above where no one goes because you got to walk through slash and all that, you know, old branches and whatever. So we get up in there and we sat and waited. And after about an hour, hour and a half, we got some uh, whistles and knocks down below us. Never came close, but it was, it was cool. It was a total squatch whistle, but just real low. It sounded like not big lungs. It sounded like uh, uh, sounded like our size or maybe even smaller than me, just guessing. And then so everyone was hearing knocks and whistles that night coming from the woods, and they were moving around. Then the next day we went back in the daylight, and we found out we found where they were traveling um, in between these pockets of woods. And this acre, we're on 1,350 acres, private land. Mm. Um, good habitat, some big ponds. And so the next night after that, we went back in the day on the third day when we found where they were traveling back and forth, uh, cutting through the woods and going to the different, cause there was three main trails that split off this one point and we'd break up from there and spread out in three different groups. And we went back the next day and found where they were they, they, they were interacting between the groups and we found where they were crossing 
so that night we you know tried to stake him out and it, but it was just so cold it was hard for people to sit somewhere and just be quiet because it was you know like i said with the wind chills like single digits and we were out there and i was walking up the trail with the, uh, some people we were changing locations and i started i was just walking along going like Just stuff like that. And up the trail, I started getting like these a bunch of random notes. It was totally random, but they were like doing it sharper and clearer and better than I was doing it. And I thought I was just one of the group coming back down the mountain, a couple of guys coming down the mountain from old mountain, whatever, little hill. Uh coming it's back. This is a mountain for that, right? Well, let's call it a mountain. And so they're coming down. So I thought it was them. I didn't pay attention. I looked at it in the therm. And it was only like 40 yards away. And it was like maybe 15 feet elevation gain. And I mean, they're right there. And the whistling, I mean, it's right next to us. And some of the people in our group thought it was me or uh, the one woman that was next to me. But we were like, I started going, hey, let's listen to that. And they're like, yeah, wow. And it was just, but I thought it had to be a person because it was so... I mean, I've heard Bigfoot's whistle like to chirp whistles and those shrill, high pitch, like put your fingers in your mouth, those kind of whistles, and like uh, two note whistles, you know. But this was doing like multiple, multiple notes, all random, um, all together, like real quick succession. And it reminded me of my buddy. I don't know if you remember the old Mysterious Encounter show with uh, Matt and Autumn back in the early 2000s. Oh, I remember the show, yeah, but I, I would be hard pressed to remember too much about any individual episode. Uh, well, the, one of the episodes I was on in the Redwoods, I was telling the story about how my buddy, it, he, this guy is pretty classic. He's an outdoorsman. He grew up on a ranch. He's a cowboy guy. He prides himself on his whistling. And he told me one night he got into a whistling match with what had to be a Bigfoot coming off the mountain. Whatever he did, this thing would do it louder and longer and just better sounding. And he, so he had like a 20, 25-minute whistle off of this thing and lost. So it kind of reminded me of that, which I've only heard a few stories. I mean, I think I've only heard maybe one or two of those times where people experienced that kind of whistling, like that intricate. So I said, I said I'm going up there. So I started walking up there real fast. And that was a T intersection. And they went to the left-hand side. To the right-hand side was another old, well, not older, current roads, dirt roads, like single tracks. There was another, like, fire break road. Uh, so I was walking straight up. My my trail kept the road that I was on. It kept going straight. When you got to the top of the hill, you could go 90 degree turn to the right or the left. There was an old pullout that was all overgrown that went into the woods that went to the swamp. And whatever they, I guess we think there were squatches because they went. They never turned on any lights and they went down into the into the swamp. And they did it. That's the crazy part. They moved silently. Like, we could all hear each other walking around because it was you know crunchy leaves and. You know, all the maple leaves were down. When I walked up there, everyone could hear me plain as day, like crunch, 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 because all the maple leaves were on the ground. But when these things moved off, they were sun. I summoned the therm for like a few seconds. I just kind of looked up there like, okay, yeah, some of us, because it looked like people, you know, they, they weren't giant or anything. They were just like our size. And I thought they were messing around, trying to screw with me, like from our group, trying to hide to the side of the road. I was going to tell them up there, hey, we don't do that shit. You know, like there's no mess. You can't do that stuff because... It, it leads to too much confusion. Like, yeah. So I was going to go up there and kind of scold them a little bit. And then they're, they're gone. They went off down towards the swamp and never saw or heard them again. 
And and you're 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 sure that there's nobody else in the vicinity, pretty much like other campers or anything like that, or there were some college kids like from a um uh, like they were like a Christian youth group, some kind of thing like that 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 does like uh, volunteer work. Yeah, they were there about a mile away, but they were they were like working all day doing. And they it, you could conceivably I don't know how they know that we were up there. Um, they, they didn't know who we were, what we were doing. So we had that whistling thing go on. And that was it for my group that night. We didn't get anything else after that. But the other groups had whistling knocking going on around them the whole time. Not the whole time, but on and off throughout the night. But every morning there was knocks when people came out of the cabin or the trailer. Oh, when we came back down to the um, – so that we, we looped around and came down – in front of the lodge, because we kept going out the back, the back way up into the woods that way, we looped around and hooked up to another um, fire road, break road, and came back down to the front of the lodge. When we got to the front of the lodge, there was a knock from the tree line in front of the lodge, like a good, solid knock, like the most solid one I heard. Other people heard pretty solid ones in the morning. It was successful. Um, if I had a really good therm, like the ones we had on the show, uh, I would have been pretty surprised with what I saw. But what I got, on, what I had on therm was just, it was so nondescript and human size. It was was not it was not compelling at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, good man. Um, so, and this is of course a paid expedition, right? People, this is big, big uh, Bobo's Bigfoot tours, right? Exactly. Yeah, but it was a, it was a success. Everyone that went was super stoked, and um, everyone heard stuff. Everyone heard knocks and whistles. Oh, good, good. Yeah, and Bigfoot is, is of course the goal, but you know when. I mean, how, I don't know, what do you think, man? I mean, I run some of these trips too, and I know Moneymaker does, and, you know, Charlie Raymond does. The, the, the stress is pretty intense, man. Like, you, you're bringing paid customers out, and you're trying to find Sasquatches. It, oh, it's just, it's like, talk about a tall order to fill. Well, we had like a million people watching Finding Bigfoot, but I felt way more pressure from having like a dozen people with me. Yeah, totally, totally, because they're right there. Like, I can take the heat, you know, four months after I do a thing for some internet trolls on Facebook, you know, for finding Bigfoot, like, eh, man, or whatever, they can criticize me all they want, because I kind of forgot what already happened. But when right. it's right, the people that you're trying to please are right there, and they paid you a couple hundred bucks or whatever to get out there. It's like, the pressure is really intense. Yeah, I warned them all, don't expect anything. I said, we have a good spot. We have good backup spots. Like, the lodge is a good spot. But it might not happen there, but we have one spot that – so John Wilk has his honey hole spot, you know, like that's 70% action. So we were um, all set to go there, but then at the last minute I was like – people were telling me all the stuff that happened that day and even that evening when it got dark when they came in and out of the cabin. I was like, why are we going to – you know, it's like you're catching fish right there. Why are you going to go to the next reef down? Mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. So we stayed there and it paid off and nothing dramatic happened. Um, we all, we all, everyone's sense that was there was that it was young and or females, like no aggressive male, like no testosterone filled vibe in the air, you know, it was real mellow and they were, they were interacting and nothing threatening. Just they seemed to just be monitoring us where we were going. Yeah. Well, if they're hanging out by a camp, they must be pretty used to people being around. Oh, for sure. But this time of the year, the camp, it's closed for the year. Uh-huh. It had been closed for a couple of weeks. So, yeah, there used, there's definitely people there during the um, – for uh, five months of the year, there's, pe there's people there. I wonder if it's an attractant in some ways. 
I'm looking over and I'm, I'm thinking about uh, the place where we went to Haw the Hawking Hills Festival that B Mills puts on. Right. Um, I heard a Sasquatch right outside the cabins there uh, two years ago when I was there. I, I heard uh, Tom Shea and his wife might have heard or seen something out there too um, uh, this past year when I wasn't there. You were there though. Um, yeah. I, and I, I got to wonder, like maybe that those kinds of places are, you know, cool hangout spots. Maybe there's something always going on or easy food to steal or something to, you know, check out because the woods can get boring. I, I, I think I think that's totally the case. Which one do you think is most likely? Like they're just bored and they hang out or there's some resource there that they're going after? Or what do you think? Or, did, or like they know that no one's there because there's nobody there. I think that's the combo, but they but they're still there even when the, when the crowds are they're just not coming in close, I guess. But I think it's a I think it's a resource thing. It's a I, I think it's gotta be first resources and second, there's a lot of entertainment going on. Yeah, yeah. That's, I guess that's the problem with a smart animal in the woods is that they need something to keep them busy if they're all their needs are met, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, if you get your if you get your basic requirements filled for food and shelter, then your next thing is recreation. Yeah, right, right. Or procreation. Yeah, true. Or combine the both. Yeah, I know summer camps are probably good for both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Is that no. <laughs> no, no, that was my my squeaky chair. Oh, okay. Yeah, although I wish I could say I farted, but I didn't. Classic. Yeah, so um, I mean, Massachusetts has been good to me, man. I've been there three times, and three times I've I've heard squatches there. Oh, I think I, that I think I said it when we did John's interview, but I uh, heard full yelling like. Full Squatch yells at his house again. Oh, at his house? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I've, I've only been to John's house once for a couple of days, and they just weren't around when I was there. So, Well, we, he, they hadn't been around, and we didn't do any calls or anything. Like We were just chilling. And then um, there was two sticks set into a V on his back porch the next morning. No kidding, really? Yeah. Wow, you take pictures of it? Yeah, he did. Oh, that'd be cool to get for this. That'd, yeah, yeah. Work. Come for that. And, uh, he well, and then uh, Dave Beantown, Dave, you know McCullough. He yeah. was there, and they both thought they heard him that night. Or they, they thought there was you know sound there around like um, moving outside the house. And there, uh, I was sleeping on the other side. Of, John's on the other side of the house, like the north side. I was on the south side or whatever. And um, I thought I heard mumbling, grumbling movement right outside the house, but I was like, no way. And then. <laughs> Later on is when I heard the yelling. Oh, wow. That's cool. I love the yells. You know, like uh, screams are cool, like uh, woos and whoops and all that. But man, the ah, that stuff, is the, that's the most compelling kind of noise I've heard out in the woods. I love this, that. Yeah, it sounded like a big, big dude. Yeah, the big dude yelling in the woods sound. I, th that's my favorite because it can be nothing else. I guess it could be a big dude, but not the volume and pitch and stuff that I've heard. No, I mean maybe there's there might be some people around the world that can you know there's probably some huge like the guy that played the mountain on <laughs> Game of Thrones or something you know some six nine four hundred pound guy that can make some pretty crazy sounds but I I really don't think a human could have made the sounds I was hearing. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, and I told you I heard some sounds at my property last week. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I got that text. That's awesome. You guys got working yeah, that, out. That was, yeah, that was weird. It was totally weird. Um, still kind of thinking about that one. Um, you know, like uh, in uh, maybe like nine o'clock at night, Melissa and I were in the living room. The TV wasn't on. We were reading at the time. And um, we heard a big crash, but then I kind of just wrote it off. And I still kind of do because, you know, I live uh, in this kind of isolated area and my neighbors have tractors and they're out doing stuff. You know, I heard my neighbor the other day, like cutting, like I heard his chainsaw running at like 10, 10 o'clock at night, you know, so stuff happens out here. Right. So I think, okay, heavy machinery. So I just kind of filed that away. No big deal. But it was the same night um, at about, I don't know, one or one thirty in the morning, I guess, I'd guess, because um, I was awakened from a dead sleep. Um, and so was Melissa, too. We were both just awakened from a dead, solid sleep. So, and you know, like you wake up in the middle of the night from a situation like that, and like you're just kind of dumb. Like, you know, you're just like, well, what? Oh, I don't know that. And you just go back to sleep, one of those things. Right. Um, well, I, I was awakened by a short, kind of quiet Ohio type howl. You know, like, the, oh. About that long, and probably only a little bit louder than what I just did it. Um, it. It didn't sound like it was loud and far away. It sounded like it was pretty quiet and coming from inside the room. Now, of course, remember, you don't trust my judgment because I was sleeping at the time. Um, and all bets are off when you're sleeping because things are weird, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, and Melissa woke up, woke up and goes, then like goes, what are you doing? Like she asked me, like she's all annoyed with me. What are you doing? Like I would be doing Ohio halls, uh, Ohio halls at one thirty in the morning, you know, inside the bedroom. <laughs> and um, and I go, that wasn't me. That was Sochi because our dog sleeps in the room with us. Like she's on the floor in her little bed, you know. And that doesn't make any sense either, though, because I just kind of wrote it off. Oh, the, oh, the dog oh, Sochi's doing Ohio howls. And I just went back to sleep. And then the next morning, I, I brought it up with Melissa. And I said, well, what was that? About? And I don't know. And we kind of talked about it. And and we both came to the conclusion that, you know, we haven't taught Sochi how to do an Ohio howl. So it's unlikely that it's her. Um, it's just like so weird because I could have. And you know what it made me think of are the native accounts of these things being ventriloquists. Right. You know, now, of course, ventriloquism is just like it's all, you know, smoke and mirrors. It's putting someone else's attention on an object and then making sounds so they think the ob they think the noise is coming from that object. That's why ventriloquism works. Um, so, I mean, but I don't know. I mean, is ventriloquism a, a, a paranormal power? <laughs> I, I don't really know. Um, but whatever it's worth, it sounded like it was kind of coming from inside the room and if it wasn't, inside, maybe it was just a little bit outside the room. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. Well, there's always that old phrase, someone that can throw their voice. Yeah, yeah, ventriloquism, right. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, like ventriloquism, but, like, not like a dummy, but just, there's always, you'd always hear tales of people that could make a noise, but you wouldn't hear it for, like, a second or two. Like, you'd hear it sound like it came further away from them. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Physics. Yeah, well, when I was uh, when I was young, I used to look into such you know esoteric skills. You know, I was interested in all those you know sleight of hand and um, picking locks and ventriloquism and you know all that kind of stuff. The stuff that you know thirteen year old boys are into that people like me don't outgrow. Um, I was going to say, that was, 
than some 40-something-year-old boys. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be 49 next week, dude. Oh, this whole month. Well, I guess this whole month I'll be 49 next week. Yeah, uh, but next week actually is the day. Um, Thanksgiving, turns out, is my birthday this year, whatever that's hey, worth. 27th? 28th? Uh, 28th, yeah. Happy birthday, Cliff. Well, not yet. You can wish me it next week, but close enough. Oh, but anyway, yeah, back to the noise, right? So I was talking to Melissa about it. It's like we're kind of batting it around a little bit, like, well, that maybe that was them. And what occurred to me is that it was two years ago um, on November 18th that I first heard a Sasquatch on my property. So maybe it's a November thing around here. You know, maybe one's cruising through or something like that. And that, that one, there was, there was no mistaking what it was. Tom Powell heard it. I heard it. Mike Leone heard it. Um, there were, you know, we were all hanging out by the fire, having a beer outside at a, at like, frankly, a housewarming party. Cause I moved in here about two years ago or so. Um, and we, ah, we just heard that off to the side and we go, holy crap. And my neighbors weren't even home at the time. Not that I would have heard them yell because they're like a half mile or three quarters mile down the road. Um, and then I, I was talking to Melissa about like, yeah, it sounded like it was coming from inside the room. And, and she kind of got this look on her face and she goes, you remember this past summer? Um, and this happened, like I was, I was out of town for a gig and I don't remember where I was, you know, but I go out of town on weekends a lot for jobs, just like you do, Bobo. And, um, one of those weekends that I was gone, probably in July, I'm guessing, um, I got a call from Melissa like the next day. And she said that she heard what she considered to be a ghost. Cause she's all into ghosts and stuff like that. She thought that someone was in the room and she heard it go, Hey, or something like that. And I was thinking, well, well, crap, man. I've heard Sasquatches yell, hey, in the woods. Right. Maybe that was just a Sasquatch, you know, doing the same thing that whatever it was doing this past week in my, you know, with the Ohio Howl in the room. It, it's possible. You know what else is funny? As you mentioned, that was a short one. Is The last few years, all the Ohio Howls, it's only been a couple, but all the Ohio Howls I've heard have all been way shorter than the ones we're used to here. Have you ever heard them quiet? No. Yeah, because I usually it's like Aah! like from a good distance, you know. But this one is like like I could raise my voice easily that loud. It's like like, like about that loud. It was just weird. I never. It's just weird, man. So yeah, I don't know. Might, might have had one popping around the property lately. That's that's great. That's I mean, that's what you're there for. You want squatches around your pad. Totally, totally. So we put peanut butter and apples out on the guardrail of the of the porch in the back and stuff. And um, you know, we did a couple once around around the house, you know, looking for prints and things. But you know, there's no sign. Of course, it's not how they roll. Right. You know, it's weird. I just got. I haven't had a computer for a couple of weeks. I was in the shop. But I just got it back, and I, I was going through my um, my messages on my on my uh, Finding Bigfoot page, and dude, there's so. I mean. Tons of action going on. Like, I'm getting reports from all over North America right now. Just November's of the month, man. It seems like October, November, that's the prime time. I would agree with you. You know, like I I, I, I think more stuff happens this time of year for whatever reason. You know, and you could speculate, you know, like the rut or something like that. You know, who knows? Um, maybe they're just moving around and trying to feed more because winter's coming. They got to pack on some fat, you know? Exactly. Who knows? I certainly don't know. Yeah, I'm so far behind. It's insane. Just it, missing a few days gets you backed up, but missing two weeks this time of year when most stuff's happening, it's like it's got a tsunami of 
of reports coming in and messages and questions and I don't know. It might be one of those ones where I have to skip a couple hundred of them and just try to catch up with the latest ones. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I ignored my Bigfoot email for like a month because I was getting the museum up and running. And now that it's kind of it's going and it's doing all right, um, I can pay le- slightly less attention. But I've got three emails to check: my personal email, the museum email, and my Bigfoot email. And that's not even to mention my Facebook. I, I, I was foolish enough to turn on my Facebook message thing or whatever they call it, um, where that people can email me through Facebook. God, I haven't looked at that since July. So any, everybody out there who's like who thinks I'm a total jerk for not answering them, I might be a jerk, but at least I'm aware of it. You know, I'm sorry I didn't answer your Facebook thing. Yeah, I I mentally answer all of them. I send a little thought <laughs> mind being. Well, okay, if you can do that, then then I mentally read all of them. And I'm responding as I read. See, I, yeah, I, I can't even say I've read them, you know. Oh yeah, I haven't read. I haven't read all these. I'm just. I don't want to say what gets my attention, but certain ones get my attention, and I read those ones first. And good stuff comes from Facebook, man. I don't like Facebook in general. Luckily, I have a page, and so nothing comes in except for these emails. But man, I get some really good stuff in the emails of Facebook more so than. You know my my you know Bigfoot email address, which is disappointing because I would way rather check my Bigfoot email address. And because you know what, you know what pisses me off about the Facebook email is that they can tell if I've read it or not. Oh really? You, yeah, yeah. Like if you open it, they they get a little doodad on the other side, a little notification that like, oh yeah, he opened the email, he read it, he knows. He's ignored. So, yeah. Screw you, Facebook. I hate Facebook too because. You can't you can't just easily organize your emails, your messages. Not at all, not at all. Facebook is so uh, just like such an unsophisticated platform, you know. And all the all the kids and stuff are on Instagram now, apparently. But like, um, you know, that they're not my they're not our clientele, you yeah. know. Our biggest demographic, I guess, they are young people and then weird middle aged people like us. Um, but. You know, it seems like most of our folks, uh, most of the people come to the museum, at least, are on Facebook, not Instagram. Right. And yeah, I, I know when I look at my demographics, the Facebook gives you those demographics. 45 to 65 is my age bracket of people that are tuning in. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Hashtag middle age. Right. Exactly. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag senior citizen, too. Oh, you know, I'm holding on to middle age as long as I can. <laughs> You're just a year away from getting your art card, Cliff. Really? I get that at 50? You can, yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to. Get your early bird discount at uh, Denny's? Oh, my God. Well, I've been dying to get a discount at Denny's. You <laughs> <laughs> will be dying. <laughs> oh, Denny's. It is a stab in the dark. You don't have any good Denny's stories, do you? Um. Uh oh, is it is it Bobo story time? Well, gather round, it's Bobo story time, dude. He's gonna say some things that'll blow your mind. Classic. And if you say he's lying, he's gonna kick you behind. For sure. Once again, it's Bobo story time. Any description of felonious or criminal activity is being told here strictly for entertainment purposes and is in no way an admission of guilt or even true for that matter. This one, um, I was there earlier, but I missed this part. 
when Sublime was on tour up in uh, Oregon, uh, I think it was Portland, I think it was, and it was with Wesley Willis fiasco. This Wesley Willis, look him up. He was an amazing guy. And the Lords of Brooklyn, who are these classic, just Irish and Italian guys, like hardcore white boys from the from Brooklyn that were like a rap group, and they were they were hilarious. They were just just like out of a Scorsese movie or something, you know. And you know, like they were like the they, they dressed like Rocky and Rocky one, like the leather jacket, black fingerless leather gloves, and like a little black uh, fedora, you know, just. <laughs> total, total just made men looking guys and they're, they're a type of themselves yeah and then the sublime guys just a bunch of long beach punk punker derelicts and there's this whole thing went on at danny's everyone got thrown out and danny's was being super lame and didn't just being told jackasses so i think it was miguel or bud pulled up the uh pulled the that's when they toured in this it's like a 25, 27 foot motorhome they tore it in. And it had a 30 gallon uh, black water tank, you know, for excrement mm-hmm. from the toilet. And it was totally overflowing. There was 30 pounds. And they pulled up and pulled up to the vents at the back door of Danny's. And the door, the back door had vent, like a vent at the bottom, like a 12 inch by 12 inch vent, you know, like, like pointed down slats. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they put it backed up right to it and discharged that excrement waste into the back door vents of Denny's and flooded the kitchen with human waste. Oh. <laughs> that's my best Denny's story. Oh, that's some serious shit. Oh, and then one other time I was at a Denny's down in L.A. and it got robbed. <laughs> and when While the guy, you were there? Yeah, like at 2.30 in the morning. And when the guy went to go run out the door, I, I took my plate and flung it out on like a frisbee and shattered against the wall and missed the guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. And he got the guy, and just then a cop was pulling up. The guy got caught like 200 feet from the Denny's. <laughs> well, you know, cops hang out at Denny's a lot, you know, getting yeah, grab that, a coffee in the morning. Good for them. So that's those weren't great stories, but those just. Those are my only two Danny stories. I think it's a totally suitable addition to Bobo Storytime. I got to do that every episode? Nope. Just occasionally. Okay, good, because I'd run out. That's okay. But I, I thought it was a fun way to do it. Just like It's like word association. You know, I throw <laughs> you something, you give it back to it in, in a story. But can you imagine, dude, working in the kitchen at Danny's and all of a sudden 30 gallons of excrement comes flowing? And it came out at a pretty high velocity, I guess. Came at, had some power behind it when it first came out. Do you imagine 30 gallons of excrement just flowing into your workspace where you're cooking food? It's a Tuesday at Denny's. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, the excrement flows out with force either. Uh, well, in this case, it was before the food was made, but usually it's long after it's been eaten. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, of course, a joke. I-, I love Denny's. Don't get me wrong. You know, I've had more than my fair shares of moon over my hammy. Oh, dude, I dude, when the Grand Slam was $1.99 when we were in high school, we ate there all the time, all the time, day, night. Sure. And don't you get, like, free stuff on your birthday? Because, you know, mine's yeah. coming up. Free meal. What a great way to spend Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> That's so golden. That's hilarious.
And I got my annual Thanksgiving trip with Bart Cucina coming up for the last 15 years. Just, we just do a two, two guy approach and go out for four days. And so I'm really looking forward to that in a couple of weeks. Oh, um, no, that's December, isn't it? Thanksgiving? Uh, no, no, no. Like uh, when, when you and Bart go out, don't you go out in December? Oh, well, it's either the week, it's either right after Christmas or Thanksgiving, one of the two. Okay. All right. Depends on his nice. schedule. Yeah. Well, it just depends on our schedules. Um, this year, it's, it's either Thanksgiving or, yeah, Thanksgiving or Christmas every year. Because, well, like uh, Anna DeCaris was saying, you know, the famous primatologist, that when you're doing uh, primate studies out in the wild, when you go by yourself, you have X amount of interactions or you record different things. You go with two people, it drops. You know, you know the percentages, how much it drops with each person you add? It goes down exponentially. What the thing? I don't remember the numbers so much as what she said was that if you go out with more than three people, you might as well stay home. Right. Yeah, because like even the difference between one person and three persons huge. How much interaction you're going to have? Right. Right. See that that then then a lot of places that's great, but like where I live, man, like there's so many mountain lions here. I don't want to go out walking around alone at night. I'd rather go with at least one person. Right. Yeah. That, that cuts your odds way down. And I, I don't think, I don't think a mountain lion's ever attacked when there's been three people or more. No, I wouldn't think so. You know, I think even with two people, you're probably fine. Just stay close. Yeah. We you know Dr. Nakaris is going to be. Oh, she's doing Ohio, right? Her speak changed. Uh, like when I saw her speak at the Lauren's gig last year, the international cryptozoology museum conference, it changed. It, it didn't, you know, it changed everything in some ways. So it changed almost everything. Like she's just so good and so solid. And um, her advice is just, is just rock solid, man. Like you can't go wrong with it. And I don't, I don't know she was inspiring. I'll say that. Um, I go to a lot of these conferences and yeah, there's good speakers and stuff. Don't get me wrong, but she was inspiring. Yeah. I've only seen her speak on YouTube, but she's, I mean, her credentials are worldwide just outstanding. I mean, she's tops in her field wherever she goes. I mean, she's internationally recognized as one of the top primatologists. Yeah, yeah, and she, and she studies nocturnal primates. Uh, you know, she uh, slow lorises specifically that live in Sumatra. So, you know, when, when I hang out with her, like we talk a lot of rain, rain pendex stuff and then field work and nocturnal, you know, uh, the challenges of working uh, in the woods at night and that sort of stuff. And I, I, like, I learned so much by hanging out with her and having a beer, you know? Right. Yeah, she's cool. Then, yes. Uh, she's discovered some species or subspecies, right? Yes, she has, I believe. Yeah. I can't tell you which ones, but I believe that she actually has discovered um, multiple species. Yeah. Oh, I just got um, reports again from Fieldbrook, California, which is, you know, 15 minutes from my house. Yeah, I was going to say Fieldbrook. Is that that's like like Neeland or somewhere, isn't it? Like like kind of that close in. uh, It's between like Arcata, McKinleyville and Blue Lake. Oh, man, that's right there. Yeah, it's right there. And. Uh, my friends who are not prone to like, you know, jump to conclusions or misinterpret things. Uh, they're both scientists said so they definitely have heard Bigfoot's uh, woke them up at like five in the morning twice in the last two uh, week or two. No kidding. And I got a ton of reports out of there in the, the late nineties, early two thousands 
there was a, a big male. That's the one. Remember, uh, I, used get, I used to tell you about the, I got a report the big, it was gray, like the color of, a, of an old English sheepdog gray with a white diamond on its chest of fur. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is the area where like the, your friends in hot tubs were getting scared, right? Well, I think that was Trinidad, like the next town up. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, remember your friends in, in the hot tubs getting screamed at or something like that at night? Yeah, yeah. There was a bunch of stuff going on. There were like uh, people, mostly people getting chased on mountain bikes and motorcycles. Huh, okay. And then I talked to the forester for Green Diamond, and he swears he was sitting in his truck right there doing paperwork. It was pouring rain, and he saw the female with three young ones, all like four to five and a half foot tall, mm-hmm. just walking out, walk right past the gate. The gate was open, and walked right to the gate. I mean, real close. I mean, they're only at this point, they're less than a quarter mile from the houses in daylight. I mean, it was late in the day, dark, raining, you know, winter. But he watched all three of them walk by, and she just glanced at them and just ignored them, and they just kept walking and cut back into the tree line again. So I was wondering, maybe like one of those young ones, after they cleared out, they started getting a lot of, we were going in there and doing knocks and howls, and people that were not, you know, hardcore squatchers were even going in there looking for them, and I think they just bailed. They just, it was too much pressure. Then the vloggers were all aware of them being in there, and just, just word got around that they were in there, so... People were going in there, and they, they split. And I was just wondering, like, maybe one of those ones that was young back then is old enough to be out on its own now and roaming around and checking out a spot at new as a child. I mean, that's just, you know, total speculation. But I, I, I love I speculating in my mind about what could be the scenarios for how these things end up where they end up. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. And, um, and that's the fun part about using your observations, you know, because as I we mentioned earlier, observations versus interpretations. It's totally fair to interpret. I'm not saying don't do it, um, but start with an observation and realize and just just understand the difference. You know, so when when you speak to other people, um, if you start and and stick with your observations, you're going to sound far more credible to other people than if you just you know. Uh, than the, the spouting off, um, you know, wide-eyed, arms flailing, like interpretations of your events. You know, it's like I heard a noise, and then you say, "I think it was this." You know, because the observation is the noise you heard, and then I think it was this. I think it was a female or whatever. That's all interpretation, and and, and that's the fun part about all this. Um, using the data, using the observations, mixing it up, and see what makes sense with all of the observations that you have. You know. Yeah, it drives me nuts when people say stuff like, I know it was a day watcher. I know the others were sleeping nearby or, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, know that. That drives me crazy. I'll get in arguments with people like, you don't know that. That's that's your that's your speculation. That's your best guess. Yeah, they, they, I've had <laughs> I've, I've pointed out to uh, people like, I don't think, you know, I don't think Bigfoots do that. Or how do you know that? And then, yes, they do. Like, whoa, 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 you're mad at me, man. Like, that's yeah, that that also shows a lack of level headedness, <laughs> you know, I think you're talking about stick structures now. Well, no, no, not, not actually. Well, I guess I was. I was specifically thinking of a guy who told me that Sasquatches. Um, pull trees out of the ground, sharpen the ends, and put them like traps at the end of roads in hopes of having motorcyclists run into them. <laughs> That's funny. I'd, I'd love. To, I'd actually like to talk to that guy and ask him how he came to that conclusion. <laughs> You've talked to him. 
Oh, I have. Oh yeah. And then, then he yelled at me <laughs> in public at a restaurant. <laughs> you know, people keep sending me is that one clip from up in Canada of that family. Oh, Ontario, right, right. Yeah, that that's a pretty interesting. You know, but after listening to tons of coyote calls, I was still. I mean, I think that's probably a bigfoot, but it was kind of like the Chehalis mixed with Piyalup stuff. Or, I'd guess it's probably a bigfoot, but I don't think you can rule out Canid for sure. Yeah, I don't know, man. That that might be a bigfoot, or it might be a coyote. Like you said, it's hard, really hard to say. If it if it could be a coyote, then it probably is a coyote. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of have to go that way. There's certainly a lot more coyotes and Bigfoots around. But That was the uh, latest kind of news item that's been circulating that I've been getting the most comments and questions about and people sending me the link. Yeah, yeah. Well, shoot, Cliff, I guess. Uh, whoops. Did you hear that? Uh, wasn't your chair, was it? Sort of. I, I sit on it. I could say that. You sit on it. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't raise you up a couple inches. <laughs> <laughs> Hovering off the chair. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good way to end the end this show. I suppose so. Kisses to Melissa. <laughs> that's my job. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Okay. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Subscribe and share. And until next time, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 